Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Offside Rule. We get it with Lindsay Hooper. Okay, let's get on with the podcast and let's give you a flavour of what is coming up. After the sacking of Roberto Di Matteo and Mark Hughes in quick succession, we're going to talk about silly, funny, sad, even maybe a few of us getting on our soapbox about sackings in football. Um, Also, uh, we're going to complete the sentence. Here's one for you to think about as you're listening to this podcast. Whatever happened to fill in the blank? I'm looking forward to that. Um, and also, bogey teams, which is where we are going to start. Remember, you can follow us at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, which you can like from now on. Uh, but let's begin with this subject, bogey teams. At some sides, they always come unstuck against certain opposition. Um, I'll let you be as flexible with this topic as you want, but I just want the bogey team of your choice, starting with Hayley McQueen. I'm going up to the Highlands and I'm going to go back home and up to <laughs> Scotland. The reason I've chosen this team is because um, at the defeat, they beat Celtic and it created one of the best football headlines I have ever read. And uh, it was, I think, the Sun newspaper. And the headline was, Super Cali, go ballistic, Celtic are atrocious. Absolutely <laughs> Brilliant. Took up so much headline that there wasn't enough to write about in the following column. Uh, Inverness, a Caledonian thistle. They formed in 1994 in August. Uh, a bitter merger it was, in fact, of Caledonian and Inverness thistle, both members. Uh, that was of the Highland Football League. But, of course, there was a newly reformed structure of uh, Scottish football in 1994 to four divisions of ten teams each. Uh, and they were elected to go and play in the Scottish third division along with their rivals, Ross County. We thought that would be as far as it would go as rivalries but no Celtic and Rangers have come unstuck against Inverness at Caledonian Thistle the first ever meeting against Celtic was just six years after they formed and they famously beat them 3-1 in the Scottish Cup in 2000 they had 4,000 fans who'd made the pilgrimage across Scotland uh, to the game they've had to do it twice though because the initial game uh, was called off at uh, Celtic Park because of bad weather so they'd done this again and it was definitely worth the journey. It did, however, spell the end of a very ill-fated managerial career. Guess who was in charge of Celtic at that time? It was John Barnes. Remember that? Yeah, so he was summoned to the chairman's office um, the next afternoon and given his P45 after being dumped out of the cup by the little-known Inverness Caledonian Thistle. Three seasons later, 2003, they did it again and again in the cup. Um, since then, the record has been pretty uh, abysmal. This season, they popped up again. Cheeky Inverness Caledonian Thistle beating Celtic in the SPL. Good advert for teams working their way up from the Scottish divisions like Rangers are going to have to do, coming back up to the SPL and they beat Celtic. Yep, they uh, met Celtic four times in the league in the Scottish Cup. Uh, Celtic won them all, scoring seven. Inverness, Caledonian, Thistle, they didn't even get on the score sheet, but for some reason, they managed to beat them in the Cup. Guess what? They also won at Ibrox, a 3-0 win in October 2012. So there you go, Inverness, Caledonian, Thistle. Can I just say it again? Super Cali, go ballistic, Celtic are atrocious. <laughs> I love that headline. It's got me thinking as well. My brain is whirring a new topic for a future week, um, headlines. headlines yeah. But you can't repeat that one. Um, Kate next. Well, I think Bogey, I think Burnley. 
And this uh, non-love affair with Burnley for me started out as a Liverpool fan in 2005 when they knocked us out of the FA Cup. Benita's got absolute pelters for that. But we weren't and aren't the only victims of Burnley. Uh, In 2004-2005, they obviously knocked us out of the FA Cup. They knocked uh, Villa out of the FA Cup as well. Uh, In 2008, they went on a fantastic League Cup run this time, Burnley, knocking out Fulham, Chelsea and Arsenal to reach the semi-finals where they eventually lost against uh, Spurs. Um, 2008, sorry, the fourth round of the FA Cup, they knocked out West Brom uh, in the fourth round. 2009, they beat United in the league. So Burnley really are a bogey team. They come up against some of the some of the country's best teams and they bogey them all the way. Um, I'm going to adapt this slightly to the 2011-12 season and a bogey team. We're talking top flight English Premier League and I would put forward West Bromwich Albion as everybody's slippery banana skin. <laughs> um, certainly a few managers out there as well. Um, let's go with my beloved Mick McCarthy first of all. So the local derby, Black Country derby, a lot riding on this. You don't lose 5-1, otherwise Mick, you get shown the door as you know. Um, so West Brom, we lose, we, we see Mick exit Wolves, which I'm still quite broken up about. Um, Certainly at the moment with our last results that we've had. Um, Moving on. Um, But West Brom, literally a few games later, they went and played Chelsea, beat Chelsea 1-0. AVB, shown the door. Lots of managers being beaten by West Brom and then showing showing their P45. So I thought that from 2011 to 2012, I know there are more examples, but West Brom really were that side that no manager wanted to see if they were in trouble or had had a run of bad results. So um, I'm going to go with West Brom. The female take on football. We'll, uh, we'll go on to the sackings. Um, Di Matteo and Mark Hughes shown the door in quick succession this season. And it prompted us, in fact, this is Hayley McQueen's suggestion, um, you, you thought after three days of, of all this managerial merry-go-round, we'd think of some unusual sackings, some shocking, some silly, some funny, some sad stories. I know that, Hayley, you have your funny story to tell us. So we'll save that for last, end on a high with that one. Uh, Kate, we'll start with you. Managerial sackings, right? There have been the good, the bad and the ugly. One of my favourite stories is when we spare a thought for poor Tony Adams, who took over at Portsmouth after Harry Redknapp. An impossible job, can I say, not just because Harry had gone, but also because the club at that stage were in the uh, throes of financial uh, woe. Uh, lots and lots going on, lots of players wanting to leave, no one particularly happy. Uh, four months into a two-and-a-half-year contract, uh, two wins in 16 league games, and he gets the call from the Pompey chairman, Peter Storey. But when does this call occur? Well, picture yourself at your son's fifth birthday party. Atticus Adams is the name of his son. Daddy, I'm having a great time. Ring, 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 ring. Oh, hello, Tony. It's Peter Story here. You're sacked. Oh, thanks. Happy birthday, son. Rough as. Terrible, huh? absolutely terrible. Adam said afterwards that, that the timing was a little strange. Another quick one, talking of birthdays, I'm going to mention straight out of Simon Jordan's book, Be Careful What You Wish For. Really funny story about Trevor Francis. Uh, Jordan decides that Francis's time at Crystal Palace is up and as chairman he decides to deliver him the bad news and he says, you know, sorry mate, enough's enough. Times are not good and it's time for you to go. And Trevor Francis sits there quite sort of quietly and not really saying very much until Simon Jordan, you know, delivers the line. That's it, mate. Sorry, we've come to the end of the road and all the other cliches. And Trevor Francis looks at him and says, but it's my birthday. Poor Trev. Poor Trevor Francis. Another birthday on the horizon. I remember from last week's podcast, Hayley McQueen, December 9th. (laughs) 
Let me go with, uh, for this one, the sackings. I'm going to go on my soapbox. We're going Plymouth Argyle. We're going Peter Reid. And I just thought this was an example of a story where loyalty in football no longer exists. Because can you imagine you dipping into your own pocket you're paying the players' wages. You're helping out as much as you can. You haven't been paid yourself for months and months on end. And as your just rewards, the chairman comes in and says, sorry, Peter, off you go, off your trot, get on your bike. Can you imagine there was absolute uproar, wasn't there, last season about this? I remember that the feeds on Twitter, the stories in the newspapers, everyone thinking, you know what, that's it. The beautiful game sometimes is just but ugly. Let's end on a high note, though, because I know, Hayley, this is your uh, your comedy moment. It's not that funny, but it's it's the way that managed... I'm going to be expecting you to be really funny now. Built this up, haven't I? Like, everything in life, everything comes crashing down at the end. Oh, the disappointment, which is exactly what happened to Rude Hullet of Chelsea in 1998. Oh, yeah. These days, people might find out by watching Sky Sports News. I'm always quite uh, surprised when you'll be chatting to a manager and they'll say, well... I found out through Sky Sports News. Have you ever let anyone know via the medium of TV that they're sacked? No, thankfully. First time for everything, though. Quite looking forward to that moment. (laughs) But remember the days of a good old teletext? Oh, yes. R.I.P. Teletext or Ruth Hullett. His relationship with Chelsea already pretty much on the rocks uh, with Ken Bates. He decided that that was it. Enough was enough. His days were numbered at the bridge. Big disputes over money, um, thought to be at the heart of the decision to get rid of him. Um, no one else at Chelsea, I think, was in any rush to let him go. Uh, but Rude Hullet thought he was safe. Uh, in the end, he confirmed that he found out via teletext. Oh. Before that, the year before QPR, Bruce Riot, 1997, um, He was flicking through, he said, the channels when he decided to take a quick peek at CFAX and find out his days at QPR had come to an end. He said, quote, I was at home watching the Louise Woodward case on television when I turned on CFAX and read that I'd been sacked. (laughs) So there you go. The chairman at the time, Chris Wright, said he was genuinely sorry for the way the news was delivered. Uh, An apology uh, was given to him and accepted. So, yeah, I wouldn't like to think that these days Twitter and Sky Sports News was a way of finding out you'd been sacked. You'd like to think that the chairman does it face to face. But who knows, in this world of football, it does happen. There's got to be someone out there as well that's been sacked via post-it note or something like that. Or by text. I'd love to know those. Do get in touch via at Offside Rule Pod. The female take on football. Well, next we move on to our final topic, and this is where I adopt my Lily Savage impression. It's blankety blank. We're going to fill in the blank. Whatever happened to, and then fill in a name of a player or manager of your choice. Um, I'm going to start off. First of all, I wanted to say, just to rub this into the people of Birmingham, whatever what? happened to uh, Alex McLeish? Oh, he, takes, he takes Birmingham City down. He almost takes Aston Villa down to the second tier of English football for the first time ever. Um, where has he gone? What's happening? He's a long way away from Birmingham, that's what I can tell you. He's enjoying a cup of tea and a whole box of shortbread. (laughs) Yeah, he's gone up north. He's certainly going to be in Scotland, I bet. Um, We'll go on, though, with my player, because um, Euro 96, I loved this guy. Uh, Carol Paborski, everybody remember, Czech Republic. Um, He played uh, sensationally in that game against Portugal, but also to mention the the massive teams that he went on to play for, Hayley McQueen, do you remember him at Manchester United? Oh, yes, I do. He went on to Ben Fika, Lazio, we're talking top teams around the world. But what has happened to our long-haired friend, probably not, no longer long, uh, what's happened to Carol Paborski? Any guesses? 
Uh, perhaps he runs a hairdresser's. No, no. I think he's bald and retired. Um, I think he probably <laughs> is retired, yeah. <laughs> um, he actually went on, you know, to go and play for a, a team I'm never going to pronounce in a million years. Go on, try it, try it. Ah, oh, uh, Seska Budjavesci. Love that. Oh, oh, yes, that one. That yeah, one. that one. Um, Famous Kesha Budjavesci. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, something like that. Um, but yeah, what's happened to him now? He was a player that I thought, with all the experience that he had, he, he obviously was multilingual as well. Sort of player that could have gone into management or in consult- consultancy role, maybe gone on and managed the National Czech Republic side. Didn't do any of those things. What's happened to him? We do not know. Uh, Kate, who have you got? The first one's a real shame, actually. What happened to David Bentley? He was touted as such a big talent, wasn't he? He mm. played in the England under-21s, played for England as well, seven, uh, seven appearances for England. And he's about 28 now, so he's not past it by any means. Hayley's seen him out clubbing. Seen him on a Sunday night, whiskey mist, busting some moves. It was out of season, don't worry. <laughs> well, now he is. Well, let's let's just talk about him briefly. He was at Spurs, obviously, for a long time. He did he did that that sort of one on one interview with um, Sky Sports News, where he kind of spilled his sort of heart out and said he wasn't sure why why he wasn't being selected, but he had high hopes when Harry went to Spurs, and that that just never ever happened. He was loan moved to West Ham in two thousand and eleven. Now, folks, he's plying his trade in Russia for FC Rostov. So, yes, yeah, so David Bentley is in Russia. I just think it's a shame, isn't it? Because he's obviously, he obviously, he's obviously got a natural talent and he's obviously got got skill, but um, but he just never, never, ever found his way here. A quick comic one. Do you remember Thomas Brolin? Played for Leeds uh, from 95 to 97 and Leeds fans will remember him as the guy who started off brilliantly, then just got bigger and bigger and bigger, as in larger and larger and larger in size. Uh, he went to Crystal Palace as well. Uh, whatever happened to Thomas Brolin? Well, I've got a feeling he's probably still fairly weighty now. He returned to Sweden, involving himself in a number of business ventures, including selling shoes and vacuum cleaners on the internet, much to the amusement of Leeds and Crystal Palace fans, I'm sure. He also made a record with Dr Alban. Now, can you name Dr Alban's song? No, I really don't even know who you're talking about. Who? It's my life. It's my life. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Carry on. There are headlines that he... Well, there are also rumours that he starred in a jacuzzi advert. I hope he wasn't naked. Uh, and uh, hit the headlines after his car collided with an elk. Only could Thomas Brolin achieve all that. Is this all courtesy of Wikipedia? No. Because it, it sounds too unbelievable for me. Uh, Hayley? Carrying on from Leeds United, I am going to chat about a player. You might say who, not whatever happened to, but it was somebody who was tipped uh, for greatness, started a season at Leeds United from Sunderland with so much promise. He joined for a fee of £5 million at the turn of the new millennium. Leeds, believe it or not, they were at the top of the Premier League. I remember a Boxing Day win 2-1 over Leicester at Elland Road uh, because I went with some family members. So he signed for £5 million, big price tag on his head. It's Michael Bridges. It seemed very pricey for someone uh, unproven in the top flight. However, at 21, he had the potential to be a top, top player. He had a wonderful partnership with Kevin Phillips that actually helped the Black Cats to the top flight. It was a very young David O'Leary side at the time, included some great names. In fact, it's almost a who's who of whatever happened to uh, Jonathan Woodgate, Harry Kewell, Lee Bowyer, all players who went on to do great things. But injury has almost cursed this group of players who happened to be at Leeds United all at the same time. Anyway, he played a hugely 
significant role in the season ahead. He bagged a hat-trick in his first ever appearance um, the start of a wonderful, wonderful season. Grabbed the headlines week in, week out. 19 goals in the Premier League. Put him equal fourth in the Golden Boot standings. Guess what? The award was picked up by his old mate, Phillips, mm-hmm. believe it or not. Uh, anyway, Leeds did miss out on the title because they came third, of course. Uh, they played and qualified in the Champions League for the first time ever, reached the semi-finals of the UEFA Cup as well. But Bridges, that was as good as it got, I'm afraid. He picked up uh, injury after injury. Um, that was actually during the group stages against Besiktas. Uh, Everyone thought he would come back and continue to have a couple more seasons for Leeds, perhaps make them a lot of money uh, when he moves on, get called up for England, be a star of the future like a a David Beckham or a Jonathan Woodgate. His career was completely killed by injury. But he pops up at Sydney FC and then signed for the Newcastle Jets, funnily enough, uh, which is where he ended. Yeah, wait for it. Uh, He joined his fellow English exile, Franny Jeffers. Remember him? Yes, the one and only. Anyway, he's proved so popular at the Newcastle Jets. Uh, He captained the side, uh, had a brief retirement, but he scored 11 goals in 48 games. But it is a reminder of how just unfair football can be when it comes to injury ending your career. Very sad indeed. Ladies, it's been an education. I hope our listeners feel the same. Um, Before we go, we have a new section to highlight. I'm going to hand over now to Kate Partridge, who works for Russia Today, and she's going to round up what's been happening in the Russian Premier League. Thank you, Lindsay. Well, while one Russian owner replaced his manager in England, the past month in Russia has seen the end of three top-flight coaches, most notably Spartak's Unai Emery. After their 3-0 defeat to Barcelona had knocked the red-whites out of Europe, the last thing the Spanish boss needed was a Moscow derby defeat especially not a 5-1 humiliation by Dan Petrescu's Dinama. Spartak chairman Leonid Fadun had had enough, and after just five months, the former Valencia boss had gone. General manager Valeri Karpin has done Rafael Benitez and become interim manager. His first match, though, is at home to Zenit. The champions had started imperiously, but after Igor Denisov's pay-strike threat followed the record signings of Hulk and Axel Witzel, Luciano Spalletti's side wobbled. They've since rallied and boast the league's top scorer, 10-goal Alexander Kozhikov. However, this week, Zenit were handed a 3-0 technical defeat to Dinama after goalkeeper Anton Schunin was hit by a flare, smuggled in by a female fan, and were held to a late 1-1 draw with Tesca, keeping the champions third. But Tesca are on a roll, winning 13 of their 17 games and top of the league, three points clear of Angie. Gus Hiddink's men, though, have lost only twice, with Lucina Traore and Samuel Eto banging in the goals and are in the last 32 of the Europa League. Elsewhere, Tarek Grozny don't seem to be missing coach Rude Hullett. They're an impressive fourth. On loan, David Bentley is yet to score for improving Rostov, while below them, managerless Krilia and Mordovia can't buy a win. So, with just three games to go until the winter break, Tesca are the team to catch. In central Moscow, there are posters of coach Leonid Slutsky encouraging people to read. For him, the league table makes great reading. And for more updates from Russia's top flight, you can follow me on Twitter at KatePartridgeRT. Till then, bye for now. Thank you, Kate. And we'll be back with another Offside Rule podcast, Podcast 5 for this season. We're going great guns, girls. Let's keep it up. Let's have a, a team huddle. Woo! Yeah. Go, okay. team. <laughs> Go team. Go team. We should say Mondays. Uh, Mondays. Mondays, yeah, Kate, well done. Mondays, you can download the podcast every Monday. It will be available via iTunes and via SoundCloud. And follow us on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod. Thank you very much. See you next week. The Offside Rule. We get it with Lindsay Hooper.